Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus 15% off your first order with code Odyssey. So head to b o l l and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The connection between you and your therapist matters. That's why Alma focuses on helping you find the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search by what you want to focus on, like anxiety, relationships, or big life transitions. You can also specify preferences around gender, race, faith, and more to help you find someone who's more likely to understand where you're coming from. Alma also makes it easy for therapists to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of providers in their directory accept insurance for sessions, so you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash not just anyone to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash not just anyone. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. Looking at this game, I wrote down four things Kind of, if you go through those four things, it'll take you through the game. I wrote down these are the words I wrote: challenge, Croft, before the half, and discipline. So there are four things I wrote about the game. So maybe if we kind of you guys go off whatever tangent you want to, too, but we'll start with the challenge because that sort of set things in the shit show in motion, kind of. Mm-hmm. So it's fourth and three. Hertz, I thought, had a really good first drive. I thought he was taking what the defense gave him. He was running around a little bit, extending plays. And on the fourth and three, he throws a pass to Devontae Smith, who looked like he caught it with one hand and came down and grabbed it. He obviously did not. Now, it was very hard to tell on the replay. But when you look at it, he got up and he was running the line and he was like, snap, 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 snap it. That's got to be the fr- throw the flag right mm-hmm. there. Throw the flag. It's four. If it was third and three or it was fourth and three, I think you got to throw the flag there per- personally. I think that not happening obviously changed a lot of things. You could do the predetermined outcome thing. Does Purdy ever get hurt? Whatever. But just looking at that play, I thought thought the challenge flag should have been thrown. I thought it was worth it. And it, and it, it did, we didn't know at the time because they ended up tying the game and everything, but it did sort of set off a chain of events that turned into maybe one of the biggest shit shows in 49ers history. Where were you guys on that? Did you think they should have thrown it? Did you think it was too close? I, I, I absolutely was, thought, oh, go ahead, Zane. Not right. I was gonna say I absolutely thought they should have thrown it. Here's the thing: is it the first drive of the game? A hundred percent. But that's the point. You're in the first half of the football game, right? If you if you get it wrong, what does it cost you? One timeout. One timeout right. in the first half, right? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Who gives a shit? It's one timeout, right? And so there, Shanahan explained it in the post game. And I understand his explanation. We looked up the, the, the replay on the, on the, on the scoreboard, which was inconclusive. We didn't have time to, to have our guys look at it behind the scenes. So we didn't challenge it. Devonte Smith is not getting up and running that fast to the line. If he knows that he caught that ball, that's mm-hmm. your first clue. That's your first clue. Oh shit. Like maybe we should take a look at this, but regardless of that, just challenge it. It is a massive play. It is a massive swing of momentum. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Just challenge it. And if you lose, you lose a first half timeout. That's it. And it, and, and it's, to me, it's indicative of still, I think the biggest, I, I would call gripe that I have with Kyle Shanahan is his in-game management. It's still not mm -hmm. great. It really mm -hmm. isn't. It, it's, it's not great. And, and I genuinely believe that a lot of these play calling head coaches really struggle with in-game management. The yep. biggest example being Andy Reid for damn near two decades, right? Still doesn't manage the game very well, but he's better, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if, I don't know. I, to me, I don't think Kyle Shanahan's ego could take this, but there needs to be somebody that's there that's just helping with in-game management. Like literally yeah. that's their job, mm -hmm. right? Because he's so focused, and I get it. He's so focused on play calling. He's focused on, all right, here's what happened on this drive. Here's what I got to dial up next drive based on what I saw from the defense. Like he's got so much to think about. Just let somebody else. Damn. Let Anthony Lynn. He's this, the, you know, he's the what co-head coach, right. Or whatever that title is that he has, let him, let him do something. Right. So that's the biggest gripe I have is it's just another, it's just another example of, what I think is the is the worst part of Kyle Shanahan's head coaching ability, and that's his in-game management. So, look, Kyle's – he's not to blame for the loss, right? It's not his fault. No. I don't want to at all say that, like, what I'm about to say, it indicates there's any fault of Kyle here. There were errors that he made that in the game that, that are indicative of a pattern, like you said, of his in-game management. But I don't think it's his fault by any means that they that they lost. You can't control an injury. However, Trey Wingo actually tweeted at, at stats today, and I don't know if you guys saw that, but he he uh, quote tweeted stats saying that they should have challenged it, and it was a big deal because games. I'm loosely quoting this: that games are like waves, you know, they they, they ebb and flow, and you don't know what that chain of events that would have set off. Because look, as soon as he caught that or caught that. I was yelling at the TV, throw the challenge flag, throw the flag. Cause it looked like he did bobble it, right? Like it looked like he had, he had a little bit of trouble. You can tell, right? It looked like he kind of bobbled it a little when he's trying to get it in. And I was like, look, throw the challenge flag. Even if you're not sure, throw it because that is a huge momentum boost because essentially you were taking points off the board for Philadelphia. They're in field goal range at the very least. You have a chance to take points off of the board. Do it. Andy Reed. This is the difference between Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reed. Andy Reid in the in the night game, there's a pass in the red zone to Kadarius Tony where he he looked like he made a really good catch. I don't know if you guys saw that. He actually got injured mm -hmm. on the play too. Mm -hmm. He looked like he made a good catch and looked like he beat the receiver for a touchdown. They called him incomplete. Andy Reid challenged it because at, the, at that point, I think it was either the game was it was six three or six nothing at that time, right? And or it was, it was three nothing I think at that time. That, a touchdown would have been huge at that point. Threw the challenge flag. It was I think it was the third quarter. That was his last challenge. Use it up. He didn't care. Actually, that was the first challenge. The second challenge he had was a, was a spot of a first down. So you have coaches that are challenging first down spots, and Kyle doesn't want to challenge a fourth down play that could have literally changed the course of the game at that point. And I know it's the first drive of the game, but that's a game-changing play. And even if you're not sure, throw the flag. You know who throws the flag in that, in that instance? Pete Carroll will throw the flag in that instance. Andy Reid will throw that flag in that instance. Most coaches will throw the challenge flag, even if you're not sure, because if you can flip that play – it changes everything. They would have got the ball at the 38, 40 yard line, their own 38 or 40 yard line, plus no points on the board for the Eagles. 
So at the very least, that's a psychological win for your team. And again, all it costs you is a challenge. And at that point, did Kyle use his challenges at all in the game? No. Did he use any of his timeouts in the first half? No. He went, he went in the half of three timeouts. Mm -hmm. And that was just, frustrating. It's very frustrating. And I know part of it was because Josh Johnson fumbled it and, and absolutely made a mockery out of that, the end of that first half. But the risk reward to that challenge at the beginning of the game is huge. Why wouldn't you challenge that? You have every reason to challenge that. They're in your inside of your 10-yard line. If he doesn't catch that, that play is null, and you get the ball back. I don't understand, even if you're not short. And that's the problem. That's the biggest gripe I have with Kyle as well, is his in-game management, the indecision. That challenge fly should be out no matter what. And he's scared. He coaches scared in the playoffs. And that's what bugs me the most about him, is that he goes into a shell. And he's so focused, singularly focused on one thing, that he can't understand what the hell is going on. And again, not his fault that they lost. It's not his fault about the Brock injury, the Brock injury, but that particular play changed the course of the game because if they don't score that seven points and everything still happens the way that it does, you're still only down seven points going into the half. And that's a that's a doable comeback coming out in the second half of the ball. Instead, Josh Johnson fumbles, they get another touchdown, you're down 14 points, and that's it. The game's out of reach at that point. You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including NexGuard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first Auto ship order. That's petmeds.com and promo code podcast. And after the challenge, they come out of it. And I, I really thought Purdy went through two passes, but he looked pretty poised and, and he was maybe slinging it a little bit. He, mm -hmm. he completes the ball to uh, Kittle. Then he, he, there's some runs mixed in there and he completes the pass to Ayuk. And you're like, all right. And then it happens where it's a slow developing play action play. Hassan Reddick, who Really, you could argue could have been one of the candidates for defensive player of the year. He had 16 and a half sacks. He was phenomenal, especially for his end of the season. Um, blows it up, and somebody else blew it up too. Uh, I, I don't know who the other rusher was, but Reddick hits Purdy's arm, and, and the rest is history. And for this, my initial thought is why the hell is Tyler Croft, who's really your fourth string tight end, why is he even trying to block Hassan Reddick? So I tried to go to people who are smarter than me with this. I just tried to you know, see what people had to say. And Kyle said himself, well, on a play like that, you usually have tight ends blocking edge rushers on the end. Okay. Um, I think it was Joe Thomas who kind of said the same thing. We have J.J. Watt saying, when are you going to stop having tight ends try to block you know, these, these pass rushers? It wasn't George Kittle, who's a great blocker. Again, this is your fourth string tight end. Um, and the results were disastrous. So I'm not going to sit and pretend I know what the play was or what the – I just know in common sense-wise – maybe Tyler Croft shouldn't be trying to block Hassan Reddick and, and the results were disastrous and there's nothing we could do. It happened. Um, but again, just right there, the game was over. And that's super frustrating that the team couldn't 
compete. And this is where you got to separate like fandom from like, you know, we're trying to do a show and we're trying to be professional here because like the fan in me was, I mean, I was ballistic, but you know, I'm trying to look at this sort of in the most rational way possible. Uh, maybe it just wasn't anybody's fault. Maybe Croft just whiffed. And, and, and here's, here's where, here's where I push back on the people that are genuinely upset on that play. That was the first play that that happened, right? It's not like, it's not like Kyle kept dialing up play after play with Croft blocking Reddick. And he, this was the third sack that Reddick had got. It was the sixth offensive play of the game, right? Like, again, we're not talking about a, a pattern of play calling that put that put Croft in that position. It was simply one play. And so I guarantee if you went back and reviewed every film, there's going film of every game, you're going to see a lot of times that Kyle Shanahan dialed up a play where one tight end was tasked with blocking a, an edge rusher, right? Like probably right. It's just probably never NFL. noticed it because yeah, nothing happened. It, so. Right. It's just the NFL. That's just part of it. And so that's where, you know, initially there were people, you know, again, on the timeline, 49er fans just livid. Why is Croft on, you know, Hassan Reddick? It just worked out that way. Like it just did. And, and unfortunately that was the result of the play. Um, and, and so like we said earlier, the, the frustrating part, is just simply that we have no idea. We have no idea what would have happened in this game if Brock Purdy doesn't get injured. I'm pretty confident that at the very least, it would have been competitive. I thought it was going to be a dogfight the entire week. I never once thought that this was a game that the 49ers had in the bag, but I also never thought this was a game that the, that the Eagles had in their bag. And if you look at the game and you look at the stats, the the... The performance of the defense, obviously they allowed 31 points. I understand that. But they also were on the field for 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the first half, it would have been 14 to 7 without Josh Johnson fumbling a snap that hit him in the hands and put them in the red zone to start their drive. Right. And they scored to challenge it. Right. Or or if you challenge that, it's seven to seven, right? So this game was not by any stretch some kind of dominating performance by the Eagles. They just mm -hmm. simply took advantage of the fact that the 49ers didn't have an offense after the sixth offensive play of the game. Right? They yeah. just didn't. You, yeah. you, you, Josh Johnson wasn't going to win this game for the 49ers. 49ers were never going to win this game the minute that Josh Johnson became the quarterback for the rest of the game. The game ended. It just did. And, you know, you look at, you look across the league, well, the Philadelphia Eagles with as stacked a roster as they were, how many games did they win when their backup quarterback had to play? They lost two. Zero. Yeah. They had two games. They lost both of them. So the NFL is not a, the NFL is not a league where you should be winning games consistently with your backup quarterback, which just puts into perspective more what Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy did this entire season it makes you appreciate it more because like I said, most teams have a backup, the caliber of Josh Johnson and, and we saw what happened. So, you know, is it, is it, you know, does Kyle Shanahan put his quarterback in harm's way? I don't think so. I don't think he does it any more than any other play caller does. It just is what it is. And, and it's frustrating because as fans, we want to be able to point to something that we can shake our fist at and be mad at. Right. 
I want to. I want to. I want to be able to get that out. And, and you want really to blame just, someone I, for something like that. Yeah, I want to blame someone. I got to be someone yeah. to blame. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is there isn't anyone. And then it's like, well, that feels just as shitty as this right. loss. Right. So, well, am I going to take I mean, this out? Yeah. 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 I mean, like, so th th that being said, like, look, again, not Kyle's fault, right? Not Kyle's fault that Purdy got injured because, like I said, like that play happens all the time and guys don't end up with an injury, right? Where they're blindsided or they get hit on their arm and, and it just doesn't, and they're, and they're fine. I think, I think, uh, Bosa had one on Dak, I think, or, um, I don't remember. Or no, they had, they had one on Geno Smith. They had the, the, the fumble that happened on Geno Smith. That's, that's essentially what happened. I think they hit his arm, right? So mm -hmm. really, it, it happens all the time and guys don't get hurt. But that being said, so, it's really hard to change game plans and schemes in the middle of a season and, and where they were at the stretch run. You can't do that. Like all that stuff is installed in the off season, right? Like when you tailor a game plan, you add certain concepts, you do that in the off season, unless you add like a guy like Christian McCaffrey, then you have to integrate him. But for the most part, all that stuff that's done in the off season for task for scheme change in the playoffs, you know, against a certain team, because they have a certain player, certain group of players that are elite. It's really hard. You kind of have to go with what you have. So in Kyle's defense, like you can't, you can't account for that, right? Like you can't account for everything that happens and in, in injuries and attrition and all that stuff, right? You kind of have to do the best with what you have. But that being said, I looked at how the Chiefs handled Patrick Mahomes and his injury in the beginning of that game. And I'm like, I was curious. I'm like, how is Andy Reid going to handle this situation with a really, really good Bengals defense and a pretty decent pass rush? What is he going to do? First couple of passes, half rollout, short throws to Travis Kelsey, throw to the juju, get the ball out of his hands quick run to McKinnon and it's nothing was really Mahomes holding the ball. It would just get the ball out of his hand. And I just, I just wonder, I'm like, does, does Kyle even think about that in his, in his scheme? Or is it all just like, Hey, I'm going to wait for this play to develop and hold the ball until somebody comes open or, or, or throw the ball down the field. Like where are the quick hitting passes? Where are the dump offs to the running backs? Where are all of those things? It just seems like, and, and these are all of the things that make his offense really successful as well because it gets a lot of chunk plays. But my my question to you guys is that where are all of these little small dump-offs to get your quarterback in rhythm, the rhythm throws? Where are all of these? Is it just like going to be more of the same in the future with Trey or, or Brock or whoever's quarterback here? We're just holding holding the rock and waiting for somebody to get open while the pass rush is bearing down on you? Or is he going to change this a little bit and be like, look, I want the ball out of your hand in one second. Like as soon as you hit your back foot, the ball's gone. And it's just it's just kind of an open ended question. I don't know. Do you guys do you guys feel that same way as well when you watch other quarterbacks and how quickly they release the ball? I mean, I think Kyle's very married to his system. You know, I think he's he's stubborn in a lot of ways, and he he thinks and he does have a very good system, but like he he's married to what he wants to do. You know what I mean? I think he's he's kind of uh, I'm going to plug you in here and hit the I would say hit the A button, hit the B button, and throw it here. That's uh, probably what, what I would say for that. 